All right, welcome to the Soccer Thread Podcast. I'm Colin Smith. It's July 4th. The fireworks are going out on so- outside the shed. But first, we'll uh, throw it over to Minneapolis. Mike Samuelson, how's it going in Minneapolis? The fireworks are outside the shed. The fireworks are inside the shed. The fireworks are coming from the computer. Bow, They're bow, coming bow. from the speakers. It may be a federal holiday, but there's no days off for this podcast. We come. Mm. We give you these hot takes. Doesn't matter. There's a lot of is. days off for this podcast. Most of the days are off. I mean, most of the days are off, but also not today. Today's on. So that's very true. We only that's work on true. federal holidays. That's our. That's the way we do it here. <laughs> that's that's a great point. And speaking of work, uh, I'd like to give a. You know, we have our first ever sponsor going to debut next week, I believe. Uh, just like give them some free airtime right now, Mike. My favorite. Uh, American muscle car is a Shelby, a Ford Shelby, uh, Cobra. Sure. I mean, I don't know anything about yeah. cars. I'm the only one on the um, podcast who doesn't watch F1 drive to survive and has now gotten into F1. Um, but I sure like Shelby's. They're good, beautiful old cars and, uh, shout out to the American Shelby foundation. I think that's <laughs> who, uh, we're going to be talking about next week. Yeah. So that's just a little preview. I mean, I don't drive muscle cars, but if I did, mm. there's a 110% chance it would be a Ford, Shelby, Cobra, whatever Colin just said. Yep. Probably with a racing stripe down the middle. Absolutely. Uh, I think I would go with, like, yeah, I think, like, blue? Blue with the racing stripe down the middle? What color is the stripe? White? White, yeah, definitely. Okay. I, I would like go, that's, that's I think I'd go look. black with a, either a red or a white stripe. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, I think I think you got to lean into it on these these cars. You can't. Uh, you got to go full classic. You can't go for like some kind of new paint job or new yeah. to to designing. Or you you can't go for the standard paint job, which I've had on every car I've ever owned, which is just like kind of a silver, like a gray silver. That's not the look for this car. You need to, <laughs> you need to stand out a little bit more. Yeah, there's no uh, khaki is not an option in these cars. <laughs> All right, that's just a little preview of Muscle Car Chat, uh, which we will be getting onto next week, I think. Uh, you know, or whenever Dan's back. Uh, he's our CEO. Yeah. Uh, that's, where, that's where the money comes from. He cuts the deals. Uh, yeah, he makes the deals. He does everything. Um, I am obviously in the shed in Swamp Scott. Actually, the fireworks have died down, but the fireworks have been going on for the last 45 minutes or so here in the swamp. Shout out to all of my neighbors uh, for shooting off those fireworks. Um, and shout out to my kids for sleeping right through it. Um, got to have both sides of that coin. <laughs> you can't have one without the other. Yeah. You can't. Ha- so that's um, just good parenting. Great job, honestly. everybody. Both for living in a neighborhood where there's good fireworks and for training your kids to sleep through them. It's 110% on the parents. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, we did see the fireworks last night. My son went to the fireworks uh, for the first time ever. Uh, you know, like the whole center of the town. For us, it's down by the water, and, uh, like, everyone's around, and there's people selling the souvenir, like, light-up things for the kids and all that stuff. And he did get an Elsa from Frozen light-up thing. I was not there. I had to stay home with the baby. But uh, then as, as the fireworks were about to start two minutes from starting, he threw a bit of a fit and said he wants to go home, wants to go home, wants <laughs> to go home. And so my wife took him home, and we watched from the stoop. Uh, and the whole time he was like, this is boring. I want to go inside. <laughs> so I, I don't know, really know what his deal is, but uh, for some reason he was anti-fireworks. I think he thought they were going to be real loud or they were talked up as being too loud. And that uh, just made him have a negative Nancy feel on it. So, But he's coming around. He'll come around to him. There's something very funny to me about kids who would just be absolutely wild about stuff, like absolutely insane energy, and then something that doesn't seem that scary will really scare them. Like a kid's movie that has like a little too much noise and light. They'll be like, oh no, yes. we got to turn this off. This is too scary. Yes. I don't know if I was, if I've t- told the story on the pod or just before the pod to Dan or something like that. But, uh, that happens in just about every, uh, 
children's TV show that my son watches, uh, <laughs> especially if there is a mess. Like there's an episode of Daniel Tiger where somebody, I think it's Daniel Tiger, somebody drops a bag of flour on the floor. And that's like the problem of the whole episode is like, oh, no, there's a mess. And it's like about <laughs> cleaning up your messes or whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, he just freaks the fuck out. He's like, I don't want to watch this. I don't want to <laughs> watch this. Turn it off. Turn it off. And then like other shows he can watch, whatever, where there's like shooting and whatever. I don't know. Vi- you know, crashing and violence or whatever. Yeah. He's like, yeah, it's fine. No problem. Yeah. But bags of flour on the floor, that would be an issue. Too and much. I'm not having it. Too much. It's hidden too close to home. I've seen yeah. flour. I've seen it on the floor. I don't like it. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. That's, uh, that's a good part of the podcast over. Um, <laughs> let's move on to soccer. Uh, this week, I can't remember. I think Dan set this up for us and we're stealing it from him. But... He sent us a link from a Greg Berhalter quote, which I'll just let you react to after I read the quote in its entirety. Um, I'm not even sure what the question posed to Berhalter was, but he says, I think it's important to note this with some recent transfers from MLS that came too early. Think about Brian Reynolds, who went to Roma, who uh, I'm going to contextualize, made just one appearance before being loaned out to two different Belgian clubs, or George Bello, who moved from Atlanta United to Bielefeld, I think is how you pronounce it, mm-hmm. in uh, Germany, and was relegated now and is now in second Bundesliga. There's an argument to be made that he could have stayed in MLS, I think he's talking about Bello, and dominated the league, and then moved. So there's a number of guys who I'm concerned are leaving too early. Mike, do you buy it? Are these guys leaving too early? Brian Reynolds and George Bello, outside backs who, I don't know. I mean, unless, guys. unless Burhalter is going to show me the tapes from a parallel universe in which they stayed and dominated MLS, I'm just not, I'm not buying it at all. Like, you don't know what the future holds. Yes, we, we're famous for saying that transfers don't work out here. But also, that's true no matter when you move. The transfer's not going to work out. So for me, it's like there's just as much risk of staying in MLS and, you know, stagnating or whatever, not progressing as putting yourself in a difficult situation where maybe you jump up a few levels very quickly or maybe it takes a couple years but i just this just feels very lame or Uh, maybe you were never really that good if you were never really that good i also don't care about you this the other thing about this is personally i am not really invested in any young american players until they become good and so i would rather just see all of them take crazy chances and then we figure out which of them become good, and then I can figure out who I want to become invested in. I, yeah, I just, you know, if Brian Reynolds doesn't make it in Europe, if George Bellow doesn't make it in Europe, it's really no skin off my back. I mean, I'd like to see them succeed, but ultimately I just want as many trouts in the trout pond as possible. I mean, I, I see what you're saying there, but I will give you a counterpoint of someone like Walker Zimmerman, who is an MLS guy, and if he had had the opportunity to move to a crap European team when he was 22 or however old these guys are now. I'm think, I think these guys are younger than that, or at least were younger than yeah. when they made their moves. But I'm giving Walker Zimmerman a couple of years because he's a center back, and so those guys develop late. Uh, but either way, early in his career, Mark McKenzie style, uh, goes to Europe and flames out like these guys. And then maybe doesn't hit the same level of consistency or late, late peak, so to speak, which Walker Zimmerman has had basically, right now. Mm-hmm. You have to say he's had. Uh, he's been, I, I can't remember, two-time now MLS Defender of the Year with two different clubs, I think. Yep. Uh, he's now our best center back. He's worn the captain's armband. Like, wh- you know, whatever, whatever expectations you had for Walker Zimmerman, he has clearly way surpassed them playing only in MLS. So I think that would be the argument, is that maybe one of these guys could have done that. Or is that just you're, you're hoping there are no Walker Zimmermans ever again? Is that I your mean, point? I mean, I think, again, you got to show me the tape from the parallel universe. I'm, I'm living in the metaverse here. And maybe if Walker Zimmerman yeah. went to Germany when he was 20, he would be the best defender in the world. right? Now. Like, we just don't know. So, I mean, we can, we can do what ifs. Walker Zimmerman's path has been great for him. I think that's great. I think, though, like... You know, take Brian Reynolds. He went to Europe or he went to Roma. That clearly was not the right move for him. Like going to yeah. a very yeah. big club after he had basically like a half a season 
at FC Dallas where he was playing, that was not the right move. So, you know, you can't just say going to Europe is good or not good. It's it's all about finding the fit. And, you know, he didn't find the right fit. I think with this Bellow example, I mean, I haven't been following like George Bellow's career in the Bundesliga, but just because he goes to the Bundesliga and they get relegated, like that's not a disaster. I mean, playing in the second Bundesliga is a good level. And, you know, maybe then they bounce back and he gets a year to establish himself. And then when they get back to the Bundesliga, he's starting every game. So I think it's more for me about fit, but I don't see these as like cautionary tales to not go to Europe. It's just, you know, some guys it's not going to work out. And that's just that's just how it is at every level at every country. Yeah, I mean, I I think the cautionary tale, if anything, is like and this is, I don't know, whatever, self-evident or obvious in some way uh don't go to a big club like basically if you're coming straight from mls like and you've played a half a season or whatever and you're 18 years old like Mm -hmm. that is just really low chance to work out i mean maybe you can make the argument like that payday i don't know what the difference in payday is from going to roma versus going to salzburg or something like that but landing at salzburg for brendan aronson versus if he had gone straight to I don't know, whatever, a Roma-like team uh, would have been much, much harder for him. And, and we'd, you know, it seems much less likely that he'd have the kind of consistent progression upwards that he's had. Yeah. Um, same with, like, Tyler Adams, right? It's like, go to places where it's a nice fit for you. There's some kind of, obviously, Adams has the, had the Red Bull thing, uh, like, path paved for you. Um, rather than going somewhere where it's like, okay, you're going to have to go into the fire if you're not the best player at your age group, right? If you're Christian Pulisic or, I don't know, I mean, Gio Reyna never came from MLS, but, you know, if you're the cream of the crop uh, on the national team level, okay, yeah, already at, at Sergio Dest, whatever. Like, yeah, of course, it doesn't matter. Like, Sergio Dest, go to Barcelona. You're, you're phenomenal. But if you're not, uh, you know, it, the, the loan, if you're Matt Miazga, it's just it's going to be very tough for you to stick at Chelsea. Like that's just reality. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think we all understand that when they go there. But um, yeah, I think that I think that more and more we're kind of seeing that those guys aren't having uh, success with kind of like the lone path. Yeah. Like Miazga hasn't developed into Walker Zimmerman, right? Like he's he's worse than Walker Zimmerman, no doubt, right now. Um, and so I think that that's kind of shows the value in uh you know just trying to go over to europe and hit a single instead of trying to hit a home run yeah i mean i think also like it's a good reminder that we get really excited because we've had we've got a lot of guys at big clubs for the u.s but very few of them have actually gone from mls and then you know played a, a few years in mls and then moved to europe and looked really good like aronson's the only guy that really sticks out uh, and, and, and Adams to a lesser extent, but even Adams, like he maybe jumped to a club that was a little bit too big to start with. And now it seems like he's, he's moving on. So like, yeah, that's, that's still a path that is not well-tread. And I think the point of going the Aronson route of like choosing somewhere where, you know, you're going to get some good playing time seems to be the way to go rather than trying to jump immediately to a big club. Yeah. But I mean, ultimately, like it seems the direction that the U S is going towards is, yeah, we're going to have guys playing in big leagues. And if you want to be on the national team, you, you're probably going to have to start playing in a bigger league. And, you know, maybe, you know, we'll have a few MLS guys, but I think it's going to be harder and harder to, to be an MLS guy and be like a, a starter on the national team. All right. Brief interlude. This reminds me of the fact that our keepers, uh, you know, one, I, Stefan just got loaned out. I can't remember where you're going to have to tell me. Uh, but, Matt Turner, uh, as of July 1st, is now an Arsenal player. Uh, so, you know, I would say our two best keepers in the pool both uh, have this. I mean, Stefan didn't go straight from MLS to Man City, but are both mm, pretty high above, punching high above their weight right now. Uh, you could imagine that either of them, you know, come into the first team uh, through injury and you know, you could you could write a storybook for them where they end up being the number one at those giant clubs, but generally speaking, it seems very unlikely. 
so how do you feel about that fact that we're kind of in that one position, kind of consolidated in for, you know, put all our eggs in the go join a, a huge team boat. Uh, we don't, and we used to have a guy in MLS who was playing every week and then a guy, okay, who's at Man City. And then we could kind of say, oh, well, Stefan hasn't been getting enough minutes. Well, Matt Turner has. They're on different calendars. It kind of gave us like a nice obvious option a few times here in qualifying. Uh, we're not going to have that anymore. How do you feel about that fact? I mean, I definitely feel nervous that Turner, who's established himself as the number one now, I think, like pretty, pretty clearly, uh, at least in my mind, he's going to a big club. He's, you know, starting fresh there. Uh, I don't really know what Arsenal's goalkeeping situation is, but he's not he's definitely not walking in as the number one. So it seems like he's going to be struggling for game time and will probably be a little bit rusty. You know, Stefan now, it seems like with him going on loan, he'll he'll be getting more game time, but at a slightly lower level. But, you know, I, I think for me, I still think both of those guys are, are pretty solid. I know that Stefan has dropped in some people's eyes because of, like, errors that he's made. I still think if either of them are starting in Qatar, then, you know, we're in good shape. Are they going to be, like, the goalkeeper of the tournament? Probably not. Are they, you know, as good as, as Howard was? Um, you know, last time we were in the World Cup, no. But you know, I think they're they're definitely like beyond serviceable. They're they're very solid keepers. So I'm not I'm not too worried. Yeah, I mean, all right, uh, I'm not too worried. They are not. It's not a position of weakness. Like I think at some point it felt before kind of the emergence of Matt Turner, it felt like it could be, um, or like at least like we had all our eggs in one basket. Uh, although I will say Matt Turner, uh, I don't know. I'm not following Arsenal the way some of the listeners of this podcast do, but, uh, they have Bern Leno, Aaron Ramsdale, who are both, uh, significant signings, 20 million pound signings plus, uh, in front of him on the death chart. I don't know if they're planning on moving one of those guys. Probably Leno has been there longer. Uh, but those guys don't suck, and Matt Turner is also coming into that mix. Um, so I, I don't love the fit. Uh, it does not seem like he's going to get, you know, he's in a 50-50 competition for the one spot or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I think that it kind of sucks, to Are, be honest, to have our number one guy set up for a bunch of uh, sitting on the bench uh, before the World Cup. Which? like. Which like player or position within the U.S. men's national team is the one where you f- you really feel like that person needs to be playing to be sharp for the World Cup? Because I feel like to a certain extent, you know, a lot of our guys are like kind of locked in. You know, if Pulisic is healthy, he's going to play for us, even if he's not starting every week for Chelsea. Same with like Wes. Same with you know Sergio Dest. But are there certain guys who you feel like, yeah, this person really needs to be playing, otherwise? They're not going to be sharp, and we're going to be in trouble. Um, I feel that way about center backs, basically. Uh, I don't know that any of our center backs are good. Oh, my God, that's a big bug in the shed. Woo! (laughs) Uh, I don't know if any of our center backs are good enough or playing at a high enough level that I'm really, like, worried about Walker Zimmerman not getting minutes. Like, it's not actually a Mm -hmm. a worry I have right now. but that is the position where I, I feel like, I mean, I feel like same thing with strikers. I feel like strikers, but same thing. Like if Pepe's not playing, uh, we, we just won't play him. We'll, we'll all, we don't have anybody that good, so we'll just ride the hot hand. Somebody will have to be the hot hand yeah. by you know default kind of, and uh, that's who we'll get to play. And that's fine with me, totally fine with me. Um, so I don't think there's any one guy who, I mean, Maybe like Tyler Adams, I would say, is like the kind of player who I really hope is is getting minutes. But still, like I think Tyler Adams is good enough that I won't be terribly worried if he's not. Okay, I like it. I feel like we're just we're just feeling that American optimism right now. Yeah, probably American exceptionalism. I mean, if they were from a different country, I would feel differently. 
Um, but they're Americans. They can handle it. All right. I think we've, we've done that topic. Let's move on to uh, something maybe a little bit more, yeah, uh, you know, American positive. It's July 4th. Uh, we are the champions of CONCACAF. Uh, under 20, under 20 champions, that is. That's the really the only championship you and I care about, Michael. The kids of the future. Uh, it's the future, yeah. It's hope. It's optimism. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. But maybe it does in this case. Uh, this is a three-peat, I'll remind you. Uh, the last edition of this was canceled due to COVID, so the last one that was played before this one here in 2022 was in 2018, um, and the U.S. won that, and the U.S. also won the year before that in 2017. Uh, so we are going to the Olympics. We clinched that by, I believe, making the final. Um, but before we get into uh, your thoughts on the fact that we're going to the Olympics and whether that matters and uh, how happy you are with the, the joyous performance and, and winning a final 6-0 and, and how, you know, you're running around your house with your shirt off today. <laughs> uh or yesterday, I think the final was. Uh, still no shirt today. Still no shirt today. J.R. Smith in it. Um, let's let's talk about 2018 and 2017. I'll give you a little little quiz to test your knowledge of those U20 Americans past. Uh, how many of those? So I'm only going to count players who made an impact on the tournament. And the way I'm going to judge that is whether they made the best 11 or they scored a goal. Uh, how many can you name from 2018? And how many can you name from 2017? Uh, All right. I feel, start I feel, 20, like, I feel like Tyler with Adams was in one of those those years. Uh, no. No. All right. Well, there you go. I mean, maybe he was, but he did not he, do he, either of those he things. Didn't do the, he didn't do the qualifying things. Um, Eric Williamson, I think, was maybe in one of those years because, you know, he's a, he's a, a DMV guy but hasn't made much of an impact on the national team. The answer to your question is not many. These tournaments do not usually translate to, like, future stardom. Yeah. Uh, just just list off yes. for me some of the guys that, that you want. Eric Williamson was in the 2017 one and did score a goal, Let's which go. is notable because we only scored six goals in that entire tournament on our way to the, uh, to the winning it, whereas in 2018, we scored some 39. Ooh. 39? Let me... In the group stage alone, oh my God. Uh, let, me, let me just get this right. Uh, yeah, 39 in the group stage alone, winning 7-1, 13-0 over the Virgin Islands, uh, and then 6-0 over St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Um, so, yeah, uh, there were a lot of guys on that 2018 team you could have named, but you didn't even really give did it a shot. You did correctly you know, point out the fact that, uh, yeah, these guys don't go on to, to success and glory Generally speaking, it's a lot of um, Brandon Cervanias and but, but there's guys like Mark McKenzie, Paxton Pomacall okay, on that okay. team. Uh, the Onions' own Anthony Fontana scored four goals that year. Um, an interesting one is Akinola, the guy who now plays for Canada, scored seven goals in that tournament. Oof. But the leading scorers for the U.S. in that one were Uli Yanez and Alexis Alex Mendez, um, who are both kind of like. They're, they're drifting. I don't want... They're finding themselves. They're drifting, yeah. But in the best 11, in the best 11 of that one, and the keeper was Brady Scott, who is still on MLS, but I think not really a prospect anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in the best 11 of 2018 was Serginho Dest. Okay. Um, Heard of him. And, and Mark McKenzie. Probably the, the big names there. Um, and then in 2017, the golden ball. Again, I will remind you. We did not score a lot of goals despite winning the tournament. Golden ball was Eric Palmer Brown. Okay. A center back. Love it. And Golden Glove uh, went to none other than Jonathan Klinsman. Ooh. Uh, enemy. Yeah, enemy of the podcast, maybe. Um, Eric Palmer Brown played in the midfield, uh, apparently, in this tournament, by the way, even though he's really a center back now. Brooks Lennon, Justin Glad, uh, those are your other kind of names in there. Okay. Jonathan Lewis, but in the 2017 one, we also did see Luca De La Torre, your boy, okay. uh, feature. So, you, you know, I would say it's it's not really representative of the future, but there are guys on this U20 roster 
who will c- be contributors. Yeah. Like, that's pretty, you know, it's, it's not all of them, but there are guys there. So what do you care about here more? Is it the fact that we're going to the Olympics, or is it the fact that Paxton Aronson was the player of the tournament and the top scorer? Uh, is it the individual guys, or is it the team success? What do you care about? I mean, I mostly care about the team success. You know, I think if there's, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, maybe in these youth tournaments, there will be a guy who, like, jumps off the off the screen, and you're say like, oh, yeah, this this guy is definitely one for the future. But, you know, more often than not, these guys are, like, their bodies are still developing. You know, the pitches might be kind of garbage. There's all kinds of reasons why someone might look really good now, and then in three years, they might just be on the bench for the Philadelphia Union. And so, for me, what I'm excited about is, one, we won. We won the tournament. We qualified for the, you know, these youth tournaments. We qualified for the Olympics, which we haven't done in, like, over a decade. So that's great. That seems like progress on the just federation soccer front. Uh, And then, like, I I watched one of these games. I think it was the first half against Honduras. And we were just absolutely manhandling them in Honduras, just dominant. Uh, And just playing with the kind of swagger that I feel like we keep expecting the senior men's team to do. And they, they don't really do. Uh, at least not, you know, away, not in tough games. And so I think just like being part of teams where you're just you're just dominant, you're just putting that swagger on is important. Uh, and, you know, some of these guys are going to come through and be on the senior national team and they're going to bring that with them. And, you know, maybe they they raise the level of play and they raise the expectations when they get on the senior team. So I think like, you know, for me. The, the one player who stood out as being very fun, who the, the internet, uh, who, you know, U.S. men's soccer Twitter is all about, is Diego Luna. And um, he's just he's just a fun player to watch. He's got a very different body type than your typical, like, youth soccer player. He's, like, kind of built like a fullback, uh, but a fullback with great touch and great, you know, great vision, great, great passer. And so, yeah, it's just, like, fun to see that guy run around and, you know, maybe in two years he's not doing anything but maybe in two years he's uh you know he's playing for the national team and like this is where we discovered him so i don't know it's to me yeah team success the most important thing and you know maybe a few of these guys come through but also like we we absolutely dominated so maybe this team is better than those other teams that scored six goals in a whole tournament yeah no i I, that's basically what i was gonna say is the vibe is what is is good on this team not only that uh you know, they play with that swagger and, and whatever. I totally agree with you that, like, they were taking it two teams during this whole tournament. Um, but also that, like, uh, I don't know, they just seem like they're excited to be there. Uh, it seemed like they they play together well. A lot of these guys play together at the club level. Um, you know, here and there, like, there's a, three guys from the union. Um, and I think that that's really good for the prospect of some of these guys who are dual nationals staying with the team long term even though i referenced akinola before and he did the reverse um i think that you know serginio des is a great example of a player who played in one of these tournaments and then later made up his mind to stay with uh with the senior national team so i think the fact that we win and we batter teams and we scored a ton of goals is is awesome for that um just getting guys excited about the program, getting get guys excited about the U.S. men's national team. And I think something that gets me excited is the fact that we're going to the Olympics. Uh, we haven't been to the Olympics in I don't know how long. Uh, but last time we did not qualify, uh, you know, Dan, I think very astutely made the point that, like, we should care because it's just it's a major tournament on a global stage that we can get excited about. And so whether you really think that, it means anything for the for U.S. soccer or whatever. Like, who cares? It's the Olympics. There's not like a lot of sporting events, full stop, that are bigger than the Olympics. And so, to be able to have a U.S. soccer team at the Olympics is good. Is a good thing, and that's going to be really fun for us fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, shout out to Concacaf, uh, or I think actually maybe it's the Olympics. Uh, whoever it is who made the decision to change the qualifying from U23, where we can never qualify, to U20. Yeah, U20, where we are dominant, basically, three in a row. Uh, So that's really, you know, shout out to whatever backhanded, under-the-table dealings, uh, you know, led to that switch. Uh, 
you know, we're still good at that corruption, <laughs> that corruption game. Uh, so we'll take it, and we'll see you at uh, Paris. Baby. The next Olympics, we're going out. to Paris. Paris. Um, there you go, Colin. You like to make fun of me for going on Wikipedia too much, which is fair. I'm on Wikipedia more than I should be. Uh, yes, but do your work. I do my work, and here's a fun fact for you. So you know, this tournament has a best eleven. <laughs> Uh, that yes. includes 11 players. Four of them played for the U.S. Three of them okay. did not play for the U.S., but are U.S. eligible. And so in the sense of, like, good vibe, swaggy vibe, like, I don't know how many of those guys didn't play for the U.S. who made the best 11 because they weren't good enough or they weren't called up versus they were called up and chose to play for other countries. But I feel like what we just did, if you were one of these three dudes who played for uh, Dominican Republic, Mexico, or Guatemala, and you maybe got a call from both countries, you might be like, mm, let me uh, let me rethink that a little bit. It looks pretty fun over there just crushing people 6-0 in the finals. So I feel like that's awesome. I also have a question for you. You're a noted Philly Union fan. As you said, Philly Union well-represented in this tournament. But I feel like none of their guys have really like broken through in a consistent, meaningful way. Like, what's what's going on why are these guys doing so well at this level but can't really you know, make a mark for the union? I mean, I think the union uh, give opportunities to uh, exciting young players, same way FC Dallas does probably. Um, and so you, they have the situation where they have a lot of guys who have gotten first-team minutes or first-team contracts um, who might not, Otherwise, and so that raises their profile and raise, probably raises their standard of play as well at this age. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they are actually better players than exist in the developmental academy of LA Galaxy or whatever. Um, and so I'm not convinced that these guys, uh, Paxton Aronson, McGlynn, and who's the other one? Uh, Sullivan. Uh, and then there, there's they, Quinn Sullivan. They had a center yeah. back too who like hasn't gotten any games for the Union, but look. Really good. Forget his name. Um, oh yeah, um, dude with the beard. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, Quinn Sullivan, I mean, is a great example. He's uh, both him and Paxton Aronson. Um, I have like connections to the club. Quinn Sullivan is like Chris Albright, who's the GM's like godson or something. <laughs> and then Paxton Aronson's obviously Brendan Aronson's little brother. And so like they just get a lot of guys into the academy and they give a lot of guys chances. Um, and I think it's just kind of like this volume approach in a lot of ways. Um, and I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, a lot of, some of them do work out. Mark McKenzie worked out, like was a good player for the union for a while and then went to Europe. Brendan Aronson really worked out, uh, made the club a bunch of money when he went to Europe. Uh, but there's other guys like Austin trusty was a center back who came through the same time as Mark McKenzie and was the better center back prospect. And he is now like a MLS backup. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a volume game. I think none of these guys have really come through at the union right now because they don't quite, quite fit what is needed on the field. Um, and so they kind of get like uh, whatever you call that luxury player kind of minutes um, in that they come on with 20 minutes to go to try to change the game and, and rather than being able to do the whole 90 minutes and, and really do a shift, which is like basically the Brendan Aronson thing. The reason why he was able to get so many minutes was because he was the reverse of that, right? He's not a guy you bring on for 20 minutes to, to make one play. He's a guy who is best served by playing the 90 minutes. Um, so yeah, I think these three guys are, are pretty skillful. It makes complete sense that they're able to play a level above their age competition because they're very technical. They're all, I think, especially um, Quinn Sullivan and Paxton Aronson, like quite creative in the attacking third, like great movement, things like that, where, yeah, I think maybe they're like a level of professionality higher than most of the guys their age. That doesn't mean, you know, their ceiling, they need to keep moving on and get better. Like none, nobody at this tournament is good enough to play right now in Europe or something, right? It's all whether you can get there. Mm -hmm. And I would say that 
those guys have not shown necessarily that they have something like Brendan Aronson and his work rate uh, and ability to play both two ways that's, like, different than other pretty good prospects, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we'll just, you know, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see when something different comes. Yeah, and I mean, still, you know, you can add a lot to your game when you're only 18, 19 years old but between the time you become 22, 23. So I'm not yeah. saying they're never going to be good players, but I, I think more likely than not they are, and this is – this is a cold take or whatever, a lukewarm take. Uh, more likely than not, not the future of the U.S. men's national team. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, kind of what we were saying earlier about transfers, it's just a numbers game, and we just want to have as many good players at this age as possible. And there's probably a lot of really good players who didn't make the team who will end up being better than the guys who are there, and that's okay. But, yeah, just I love I love seeing the swag. I love seeing us just go in there and dominate. And I hope we can see that at more levels going forward, not just at the the kid level. Absolutely. All right. uh, Talking about U.S. men's national team players, let's get on to silly season. That's really what we want to talk about. Uh, Tyler Adams uh, going to Leeds. How do you feel about this move? It seems like he's, uh, you know, had a long run with Red Bull. Uh, You know, has it been perfect? No. But... Has he developed as a player while he's been there? Yeah. Uh, now he's going to a shitty team in the Premier League. Like, is that good? I mean, yeah, I feel like we we talked about this one a few weeks ago, and I didn't love it then, but I, and I, I still don't love it, but I, I'm happy he's leaving Red Bull because he clearly, like, wasn't in their future plans. And is this, like, the perfect destination for him? Probably not, but it's not a terrible destination. They just sold, uh, was it Calvin Phillips? And so they need a defensive midfielder. He is a defensive midfielder. So it seems like, you know, round peg, round hole kind of situation. So I don't, I don't hate it, but, uh, you know, there's a very good chance that a year from now, Leeds will be relegated. And then is Tyler Adams playing in the championship? That doesn't seem ideal. Uh, and the chance of him going to like a bigger club after getting rele- relegated also doesn't seem ideal. So basically, we just really need Leeds to be awesome next year. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, there's it's feel as a U.S. men's national team fan or just a fan of U- U.S. soccer in general. This whole like uh, Leeds America thing, you know, reminiscent of Full America. What era is that? The Clint Dempsey, Boca Negra, mm-hmm. McBride was there. McBride was there. Um, that era of Fulham. Uh, it just, it feels really reminiscent of that because now there's Jesse Marsh is obviously the manager there, um, and Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams coming in, which also just to me smells like really uh, burhaltery nepotism mm-hmm. kind of situation where it's like oh your guy, you're especially because it's not just guys who they've managed before or something like that. It's like they're compatriots, you know, same nationality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so that just like makes me feel weird about it. Uh, but also, yeah, it's all our eggs in one basket. If, uh, if Leeds goes down, it's going to look bad for both those guys. That said, I mean, I would feel much better if Marcelo was still coaching there. <laughs> um, but it is the right fit as far as like, okay, if Jesse Marsh is really going to try to play, you know, an expansive Bielsa style type system. You need guys with high work rate. Those two guys are at the top of whatever, whatever numbers you're going to do, whatever advanced uh, like player tracking GPS type statistics, ground covered type statistics. Those guys are going to be in the top 1%. Um, They're going to cover a ton of ground. So do they have other deficiencies? Yes. Will these have other deficiencies for sure? Are they going to stay up? I wouldn't bet on it. But those they're not bad signings, like objectively speaking. It turns out they're, you know, those are the right Americans to sign if you're yeah. So And I feel like, I mean, Marsh um, clearly knows Adams super well. And Marsh has been there. You know, he, he coached the last, you know, couple of months. So it's not like everybody's coming in cold, kind of like, uh, you know, some situations. So there's, there's maybe more reason to be optimistic than 
than otherwise. But yeah, it's still, it's still a little concerning. I also think like, I really just care that Adams is good for the world cup. So if leads go down, it's not the worst time from a U.S. men's national team standpoint, because like, very true, very you know, true. He'll he'll find his way back somewhere else, and in three and a half years for the next World Cup, you know, hopefully he'll be in a stable spot. That's actually a great point. Like we're, we really need Jesse Marsh just to start these guys for three months or whatever it is yep. uh, until they break for the World Cup in November. I think they get off in November. Um, but yeah, so that's a great point. And I think uh, given the money that's been laid out and the fact that Jesse Marsh knows these guys, they're clearly his his picks. Uh, I think we're pretty good for that. That's a good point. Um, but long-term, probably, you know, what do you think? Two years tops for both Adams and Aronson at Leeds. I feel like yeah. I can't see them either of them being there very long, um, whether it goes well or poorly. Um, I'll only do... A few seconds on Richarlison to Spurs. I feel like I talked about that already. That's like a done deal now. It's just sad as an Everton fan uh, to see your best player go away to a team who's, you know, a couple spots above you in the spending table or, you know, the ambition table. Um, it's just a depressing thing. He's our best player. Uh, fans, fan favorite. Uh, can't begrudge him wanting to play at a higher level or play Champions League. We're not there. We are rebuilding. We have no money. We are shit. Uh, so, again, yeah, you, you'd love him to stay, but you can't fault him for wanting to leave. Uh, just Spurs are, are very lucky to have him. I mean, uh, wish, I, I feel like the, I don't know what else the good news is at least you guys got, like, some good money for him, you know? It seems like bad clubs sell their players for less than they're worth, uh, like bad business clubs. And at least you're getting 60 million pounds for him, which you can reinvest. Like he's, you know, similar to what we're talking about with, with Adams and Leeds. Like Richarlison was never going to be at Everton for 15 years. And if he was, it was going to be because he didn't pan out as a player. So this seems like kind of a best case scenario. It sucks still, but I feel like it, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. Uh, he was at Everton for four years, so I feel like it's not like we just got him and then he's, like, Lukaku, like, I don't know, whatever. I don't know how many years Lukaku was actually at Everton. He might have been there four years. But I know one of them was on loan, but uh, it's not like he came in, scored 25 goals in a year, and then it was like, well, he's, he's going to be mm-hmm. gone. Like, you know, he's scored between 7 and 13 goals each year he's been at at. Everton, he does a lot more than scoring goals. Uh, so, you know, that's probably not fair to him in some ways. But um, also we signed him when he was like, so four years ago, he's 25 now. Uh, so he was 21 then, just turned 21. And, and we spent big on him. What is it? Like 35 rising to 50 is, is what it says on Wikipedia. But I think in the end of the day, it was, it was in the 40s. Uh and so, yeah, we're getting a profit there, but it's not like, you know, it's like we signed a guy who had played one year in the Premier League. He worked out, and now you're telling me he's too big for our club and he's going up, but we're not really making that much money on him. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a feel good in any way. It's not like when we sold like John Stones or somebody, it was like, oh, we bought him from Barnsley right. for $1 million and sold him on for $35 million and whatever. Like, okay, fine. But it doesn't feel like that. It feels just like you can't afford your best players because you're shit. Yeah. I mean, um, I just feel like if you spend that much money on, on a player as Everton, the chance of it ending in a feel good way is like very, very little. It's like, it's got to be Everton. It's got to be that. like, oh, Richarlison now scores 30 goals a year, two years in a row, and gets sold to Real Madrid for 100 million pounds. It's like, yeah, that's exactly. the only way it feels good. And that's like, just really going to be tough to happen. But I, I hear no, what you're I saying. Agree. It still sucks. I mean, it is definitely better than Gilfie Sickerson, who we spent similar money on. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's go from – that's the uh, for, for me, that's the lowest of lows. I'm talking about Richarlison right now because it just reminds me of Everton in general, <laughs> um, which is the lowest of lows. I didn't mean lows. to do that. How could you? Uh 
let's talk about Cristiano Ronaldo because there's some great rumors about him. Obviously, he's not happy with United. Maybe that's not obvious. They're paying him a boatloads of money. Uh, but, you know, he wants to play Champions League soccer. That, that makes sense. Uh, he's always played in the Champions League. I can't even imagine. Has he missed the Champions League? I don't know. Uh, but he's going to miss it next year if he stays at United. And so there are rumors that he, he wants to leave and he's like formally put in a transfer request or whatever that means. Um, and his number one destination, his, the place he's picked is Chelsea. I love it. It's just... You've got you've to gotta love this, right? We were, we were talking about how most tra- transfers are so boring. That is not the place I would have thought. It's just peak silliness. It's like, I mean, if you're United... I, you just you do it. I mean, Ronaldo's still obviously very good, but he's thirty seven, I think, thirty six. Like even for him with his crazy workouts, he can't have too many more years where he's like really at the top level. And presumably, you can still get some money off him. And I feel like United is not short of just attacking players. They always seem to have like six or seven, you know, wingers slash strikers who are on the bench. Uh, or who are in the team, and you can't fit them all on. So just, like, you know, get rid of them. You tried the Nostalgia Tour. It didn't really work out. I feel like he's probably not a super popular guy in the locker room because he's just got a huge ego. And, you know, send him to Chelsea. Send the poison, you know, down to down to Liver- or down to to or London and see what happens. I love it. Yeah, I mean, United spent, it says, United spent $13 million on him. So... I mean, I, I don't think it's really like they're going to get a huge return for mm-hmm. him, right? Like selling him on. Uh, but, you know, maybe you get his, he's got to have a giant contract. Yeah. yeah. So that comes off the books. Um, I totally agree with your point that it seems like United have a million attacking options at all times. And uh, is he really the difference maker? Like it didn't work last year. So he scored 18 goals, but like, United didn't get over the hump because they had him. Is he really worth mm-hmm. it? Um, but at the same time, like, I don't know. Chelsea, like, Man City is going to be the top of the league. Man City and Liverpool, you've got to figure out the two top teams in the league. If United really thinks they're fighting for a third and fourth spot, they're fighting with uh, Spurs, maybe Arsenal, but probably not. Spurs and Chelsea. You're going to give your best player maybe your highest scorer to your biggest rival. Mm-hmm. Like, is that really whether you think he's a locker room cancer? Like that's pretty risky. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty wild move. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it could definitely spectacularly backfire, but that is what would yeah. make it so silly. Uh, yes, it's that's, it is very, because silly. it could just go silly. so many different ways and all of them. Excellent <laughs> for us. Yeah. He is 37 years old. Uh, I don't think he's human, though, so I don't think that really matters. <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think that's absolute red herring, uh, his actual age. Um, so I- I'll believe he's falling off or whatever when I see it. Like, yeah, that's fair. I fully expect if he went to Chelsea, they have plenty of talent around him. He- there is no way he scores less than – if he gets playing time, if he gets 30 games, he's not going to score less than 10 goals. He's probably score- not going to score less than 15 yeah. goals if he gets 30 games. So, uh, yeah, I think that this would be a fucking great move for Chelsea, quite honestly. They've had, they've struck, I mean, I don't know if he fits the way they want to play. You got to like take that into account. But if he does, if that's what they need, if they think they need Ronaldo, uh, fuck, he's, he's, he's going to win headers. He's going to give you intensity. Uh, he's going to, you know, he's going to just fucking score goals, man. And they've had strikers who haven't scored a lot of goals, like Timo Werner, like Lukaku last year was a huge disappointment. So, um, can you imagine though, Tuchel, fucking awesome, Tuchel and Ronaldo? I just can't imagine more of a water and yeah, oil situation. I can't really, just like so yeah, bad. I can't. I don't know why he'd want to go there, frankly, other than like it's in England still, and maybe he wants to stay in England or there. I mean, it's probably just like what is a club that can afford to pay me, but. Yeah, right. It's kind of like Madrid, no. Barca, no. PSG, no. Uh, Juve uh, just came from there, <laughs> no. Bayern, 
PSG, I, maybe let's make most, it happen. PSG play with Messi and maybe like a, a swap deal for Neymar. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some crazy ones out there, but like, I think it's more like, well, Man City, no. Chelsea is like the only one of the big, whatever we call, were thinking the other day, there was like eight or nine yeah. that can afford these type of players. It's like Chelsea's really the only one that makes any sense at all. Um, and they do need a player. It's not just from a perspective of like club culture or something like that, which is that historically, at least they have signed uh, the same way United does like just big names or guys like that uh, to kind of come in as mercenaries. Uh, obviously Lukaku last year is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that uh, they do need a, a player of his profile, which I would argue that, uh, United last year did not. They basically had Cavani already as their over the hill number nine, yeah. and then they brought in Ronaldo on top of it. So I, wish. Uh, I don't know. I think it's. I think it'd be. I mean, definitely rooting for this this to happen. One thousand. I'm rooting for this. The move that I really want to happen though is Ronaldo to Spurs. I think. <laughs> I think there's some genuine interest in seeing like Kane, Son, and Ronaldo as a front three could be like really really exciting. I mean, will never oh happen. God. So Palmer silly. is cursing me right now, but oh god, it would be so good. Oh my god, it'd be so good. Bring back Mourinho, Kane, Son, Ronaldo off across the front. The whole game. Uh, AVB second in command. <laughs> uh, oh, what else can we put in there? Um, yeah, that would be magnificent. Um, talk about another done deal. We had to get to Ronaldo to Chelsea. Now we kind of get into some some silly stuff that doesn't matter. Or no, I'm sorry. We had to do Ronaldo to Chelsea. We'll talk one more done deal and then we'll get into silly stuff that doesn't matter. Maybe or maybe we won't have time. Uh, but I want to talk Christian Eriksen going to Manchester going to Manchester yeah. United. Uh, to me, this is super disappointing and I hate it. Do you have a different take here? I I my initial reaction was just confusion. It just felt like a weird move. Like, uh, well, I don't know why Erickson would want to go to United other than to sort of be at a big club. You know, I can imagine he's obviously was a great player before the the you know heart issue. Maybe he still is. So I get it from an ego standpoint. But also, like, United is just such a dumpster fire. Like, why would you want to go there? And, yeah, just from, like, a human standpoint, like, I don't want to see Christian Erickson, someone who I'm – rooting for at United, which is a place that I enjoy being a dumpster fire. So yeah, it sucks. Yeah, that's basically it. And and I think that, uh, I don't know if this is really the right, uh, way to say this or like, uh, I don't know how to say this the right way. Erickson is, was always like a, a player who was easy to like, mm-hmm. whether he was at inter or Spurs and then inter, uh, and then Brentford, like those teams are not super hateable to me. He was a player who was easy to like yep. by his actions on the field that only became, he only became more easy to like as he overcame his health issues. Yep. Uh, and then it seemed like also, okay, he's now not the Christian Erickson of the peak of his powers. There's some health liabilities there. Maybe he's also you know, a little bit, he's 30 years old now. So he's on the tail side of his career. He's not going to probably go back to a super club level team. Maybe, maybe not a champions league level team. Uh, there are a lot of landing places that fit that description that are likable teams. Everton where I could see, I mean, we were talked about for a minute before people realized we had no money. Um, and you could say, oh, okay, yeah, I mean, Brentford, he was uh, he was super likable there. But, like, you know, also not, it doesn't have to stay in England. Uh, plenty of places, like, um, thinking who was in the Champions League last year from Spain who made it a long run, Villarreal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like, okay, a team like that, I don't yeah. know, whatever. Like, he could be very helpful to a team like that and maybe be, like, a, the guy or at least, you know, a big player for them. And kind of also had a lot of options, like, I don't know, it just seems like he had a lot of options where he wanted to go. Um, and to pick United out of all those options kind of 
kind of sucks. Just kind of sucks. It also just feels like he probably isn't going to play a ton there. I don't know. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know what the state of United's midfield is. And obviously, Erickson is still kind of coming back. Like, I, I don't know. He only signed for Brentford, I think, in the halfway yeah, through, in, yeah. in like the winter transfer window. So I don't know. Maybe he's back. But yeah, it just feels like he's going to go there. He's going to get like 15 appearances across the year. And like each one's going to be a cameo. And it would have been just way more fun to see him go somewhere else. But, you know. Ultimately, I mean, yeah, I, I'm still going to be rooting for him. It's just going to be hard to root for him and then also hope United loses at the same time. Yeah, I will say, uh, I don't know how you, the, the pronunciation here, but Eric Ten Hag, uh-huh. the new manager of uh, United, it makes a little more sense, like new manager yeah, saying, okay, this is, my, this is one of my guys. So, like, he presumably will get uh, Alex... Give him that, like, uh, you know, he'll get a shot because he's he's coming in with a new manager rather than, um, you know, having to fight kind of an entrenched system and stuff like that. So uh, you'd think that he will, he'll, there'll be a spot for him at least or a fit for him. Um, but still, yeah. whatever. Sucks. Boo. We hate it. Um, maybe, like, just want to do one more. Uh, let's talk. Uh, We'll, we'll do, we like to stick with U.S. soccer. Christian Pulisic, rumored to go to Juve. Mike, you liking this? You not liking this? Obviously, there's the Weston McKenney angle here. Um, but I think there's two sides to this. A, does he really need to leave Chelsea? And B, assuming you're going to say yes to that or really need to leave, is it better for him to leave Chelsea? Uh, is Juve actually a fit or is it just that it is one of the clubs at the right level for him? So that's why we're talking about it. So, like, the, the rumor I saw was that Juve asked for him because I think Chelsea want DeLitt. I think that's how you say his name, the Dutch center back. They wanted, like, a swap deal, uh, and they asked for Pulisic, and Chelsea said no. But, I I mean, it seems like Chelsea has new owners, whatever. They want to keep him. It seems like, you know, maybe for, like, branding stuff. But I don't know. For me, he's been there for a couple of years now. It doesn't seem like it's working out great. You know, maybe th- this is maybe not like the best time for him to go with the World Cup coming up. You know, maybe he'll do better for six months at Chelsea. But like long term, I don't think he's a great fit at Chelsea, at least under Tuchel. And is Juve better? I mean, a better fit? I You know, maybe. Uh, I think, um, again, you know, how many clubs could he go to? Pulisic probably has more options than, you know, Erling Holland did or whatever, but like, it's not a ton. And, you know, Juve seems like a, a good fit. Wes is already there. I'm sure he's talking to Wes and is like, you know, we'll know if it's a good place for him to be or not. And, you know, I, I just hope that within a year, either it's clear, like, yep, he's going to be a key player at Chelsea or he's finding his way out because I feel like he's, you know, he's still pretty young and he should be aiming to play every week and not just, like, be a sub, you know, or, you know, starting every every third game or whatever. Counterpoint. Starting every third game is perfect for Christian Pulisic. He, Chelsea is fucking perfect for him right now. Don't screw this <laughs> up, Christian. If you play, try to play every week, you'll get hurt. We need you to not get hurt for three months until the World Cup, right, from the beginning of the season. I guess preseason counts, too. But whatever, Until you, once you go back for preseason, until the World Cup, we need you to not get hurt. I want you to play just enough to stay sharp. And that is what Thomas Tuchel does with Chris and Pulisic. He just gives him just enough. And it can be in a sub role. It can be the spot start here and there. It can be in the cup, whatever. Uh, Chelsea have a lot of games, obviously. They have a lot of competitions they're in. I think Thomas Tuchel is the perfect manager for Christian Pulisic right now. I hope he doesn't move. He does not need to move. This, he's in a great situation from a U.S. perspective. Uh, I totally agree with you, like, you know, in the sense that uh, Tuchel doesn't use him enough or he could do better for himself in some way somewhere else, score more goals somewhere else. But uh, from a U.S. soccer perspective, I love the way Thomas Tuchel uses him. Um, and he doesn't really need to leave the Premier League. It's not like he's not shown that he can be good at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. 
it's not like he's when he's in the team he's not effective. I mean, sure, some days he's not, but some days he's great. Some day, some, you know, he's I don't know if he's won Premier League Player of the Week or Month or whatever. But there are times where he's been one of the best guys in the Premier League for a few weeks at a time. So he can do it there, um, but he just has a lot of competition to get in the team, and therefore doesn't get to play all the time, which is perfect. <laughs> so okay. So I, this is making me think of a question for you. You know, when Pulisic kind of came through at Dortmund, he was like 17. He was playing, you know, a good amount. We were like, oh, this guy could really be like a, a top, top star in the world of football. And now he's, you know, whatever, 23, I think. What What do you feel like? He is what he is. Yeah. What do you feel like his level is now? And do you think he can get better? Or do you feel like, nope. The, the level that Pulisic is and will be is like role player at a big club. Um, I think he can he like score more goals in a season than he's scored or like whatever. Yes, definitely. And uh, I think he probably will like more likely than not. He will. His best year is in front of him from a statistical perspective, you know, pro- whether it's at Chelsea or not somewhere he goes and he gets a run and, uh, has a good lucky season with not getting injured and he scores more goals. So therefore he looks better more of the time, whatever. Like, and so we'll say, Oh yeah, he's, you know, he'll get more credit at that point, but will he really be a better player? No, I think he is who he is. Um, He's great at running with the ball. He's not, you know, he's not super consistent every game, game in game out the way, uh, Kevin De Bruyne is obviously he doesn't play like Kevin De Bruyne in a lot of other ways too. He doesn't pass like Kevin De Bruyne, but uh, you know, he, he, there are big deficiencies to his game. I'll say, but on the other side of the coin, him running with the ball, he's a top handful of guys in the world. And that is not something the U S has ever had um, and is super fun. Fantastic. Everything I would have dreamed from him when he was 17, that, that skill or that aspect is lived up to whatever hype I would have ever given him. So, um, yeah, I think that that's my feelings on it. I I wish that he had less deficiencies or I maybe had dreams of him being a more complete player, uh, just so that when he came to the national team, it'd be more clear, like he was the guy and that he was more dependable to be, you know, the center of the attack and stuff like that. Um, but the reality is he is who he is, and uh, he's still the best player on the national team. And, uh, you know, for a guy who was as hyped as he was at 17 or, or whatever, um, I would say he has delivered on his promise. Because mm. I feel like what I'm hearing from you, reading between the lines, is like, you know, obviously he's playing at a very high level, but we're not feeling like, oh, he could be doing better elsewhere. You're just feeling like the level he is is a level he's he's gonna be. So why why try and move when things could go bad and they're going pretty well right now? Yeah, I mean, if he went to Man City or whatever, uh, he could not even get in the team. Mm-hmm. Or you know, I. But he, you know, realistically, he's not doing great at Chelsea. I that's part of what I like because he's not playing every week. Right. Um, but I think, you know, if he went to, uh, I just say Spurs, not even thinking about like with a fit there, but Arsenal, not thinking about the fit there, but a team that's a half step below where he's at now. Um, if he went back to Dortmund, uh, I think he, where, you know, somewhere where he's going to get more guaranteed minutes but still have talent around him, still have a team that's the aggressor in most games, I think absolutely he scores more goals than he's scoring this year. He gets more assists. He makes more highlight reel plays, whatever. Like, he looks better. People say he's having a better season. People are more excited about him. But I just think it's opportunities. It's yeah. just, you know, it's not that he – I don't think he would, would develop a new skill or whatever. Yeah. A new part to his game. Oh, sure, sure. That would then, that would then translate to the national team. That is my point. My only concern is how well does he play for the national team uh-huh. in this in this hypothetical and and in real life, basically too. Like I'm not a 
I'm a Christian Pulisic fan only because he plays for our national team. If he yeah. stopped doing that, I would care a lot less about sure. him. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. It's not like if he moves to Spurs, he's all of a sudden going to become like, you know, have his great dribbling ability and Brendan Aronson's work rate or something. Like, he's he's the player he is. But I also feel like, I mean, De Bruyne's a, an example of like, went to Chelsea, didn't play there, moved. Everyone realized like, oh, actually, he's really fucking good. And like, he probably got better uh, when he left Chelsea and played, you know, every week for a couple years. And then moved to Man City, and now he's Kevin De Bruyne, and he's, like, one of the best players in the world. And I feel like for Pulisic, not that I harbor this belief that, oh, if he just plays every week, he'll become the best player in the world. But with his current situation, we he'll never get a chance to become better than he is now. And, like, maybe, you know, maybe if he plays week in, week, week out, he can become, like, a really elite-level attacker as opposed to, you know, the level he's at, which is still really good, but, like, you know, not a top in the world. So that's kind of why I want to see him move on. But I agree. Like this year, just, yeah, play, you know, play 30 minutes a game. Don't get injured. Be fresh for the World Cup. Then, you know, lead us to the World Cup title. And then you'll get your move to wherever you want to go. Yeah. Uh, It would be also very interesting to see him play in another league or like a very different situation. Um It'd be good fun, but uh, yeah, I think staying where he is right now is is, is best for all of us, Christian. Yeah. All right, uh, we have gone long enough. Unless you've got anything else, no, Mike, that's more than enough podcast for the listeners. Yeah, if you've made it this far, you're better than us. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. <laughs> July, Big Sam, red wine. Does this look like a pint glass to you? It looks like a healthy pour. I'll say that much. This is pour number two. This one was just for coming to the shed. A little Cabernet. I like it. Getting my uh, Dwayne Wade on. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever your favorite NBA player is who's into wine. Let me just go ahead and set this glass of wine on my work computer. Shouldn't be a problem.